0: Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Banking your assets. (laughs) Banking your assets. You know, um, well anyhow, I'll I'll start with the sermon. Banking your assets. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. Reading through verse 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, I, I remember there's this little joke that, that I heard years ago goes along this. There was this guy who robbed the bank, and um, and there, you know, he's running down the street, and the preacher's there says, "Shoot him in the wallet! Shoot him in the wallet!" And they're shooting, and finally the guy that shoots him in the wallet, and the guy falls over, and it's like, well, what was that about? And he says, "Well, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." So, <laughs> that's a bad joke. But anyhow, <laughs> so bad joke, but it, it's an idea. What you treasure is where where your thoughts and interests go. Uh, if you you know, if you really want to know where your treasure is, look at your bank book. Uh, If we look at our bank book, we find where we spend most of our money. And and also it's important that we remember that in the kingdom of God, it goes by percentages. It isn't based on quantities or numbers, it's based on percentages. And when Jesus um, spoke about the individual who gave most, He was speaking about the widow who gave her last mite, which was a, a fraction of a penny. And that she was giving more than those who were dumping, you know, bags of coins into the treasury. So, and and Jesus was saying, she gave more than the others. So, in the kingdom of God, it's not not about, um, uh, uh, about how much we give, as in quantitative things. It's about how much we give in percentages. Um, I remember a story years ago I, I used in one of our tithing letters that we go out at the end of the year, uh, you know, amounts amounts of money that people, you know, that you give for the year. And uh, there was this one individual who was a um, um, a contractor and his business was doing very, very poorly. And so he went to the pastor and they prayed about it and and they made, you know, he made a Contract with the, the pastor that you know what i 'm going to tie i 'm going to give of my business to the Lord, and ten percent i 'm going to give and they, and they prayed about it and, and they asked God to honor his gifts and honor his contract with the lord and and from that point on, for this individual his his business just blew out the walls and was so exor- i mean was millions and millions of dollars to the point he was giving extreme amounts of money what he considered extreme amounts of money to the church and he went back to the pastor and he said pastor he says i can't afford to give to honor my contract anymore because i'm giving so many hundreds of thousands of dollars to the church and and he says pastor i've got to be able to get out of this contract that i made with you and god and the pastor says well we will pray that god will shrink your income back to where you can afford to give (laughs) <laughs> well, wait a minute now. <laughs> so we begin to understand that in, in banking our assets, it's, it's that we, we often think in terms of finances, and we often think in terms of being able to put dollars and cents to what our banking and what our assets are. But do you know that to bank your assets, you have to first uh, make a deposit of what you have? Now, for most of us, we don't consider what we have as sufficient. We don't consider what we have as sufficient. Now, if you, if you look at the idea of um, a farmer and sowing his crops, you must first take your seed and plant it in the ground. Well, how much seed do you want? And, you know, often I remember, you know, as a farm living on the farm, we would, we would look at, well, how many acres do we need to plant to fill the silo to take care of the, uh, to take care of the animals? So we would always look at the amount of uh, crops that we needed to take care of and feed the animals for a year. So you would look at, you have over 100 head of cows, the cattle that are milking, and you have a hundred head of cattle, how many acres do you need to plant in order to feed that that amount of cattle? And then how much seed do you need to plant those acres? It's It's a very way of looking at it. So we begin then in the same process to look at, you've got to look at what we want as a harvest to back up to what we want to plant. And how much do we want to sow to the kingdom of God and sow in our lives in this, this idea of meeting our needs? Well, deposits, we know, are to place things in, 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 in crops. You're placing them in a safe place. Well, where is the safe place? You're placing them in the ground. Is that a safe place? Well, it is if you're a seed. <laughs> seed that is kept in a... In a Um, You know, I have some flowers that I dug up a few years ago, the bulbs. They've never never bloomed, because they're still in a box in my basement. (laughs) They've never multiplied, they've never blossomed, they're still in a box in my basement. Well, what do they need? They need to be planted in a safe place, they need to be planted in the ground. Well, also, we look at, we are to bank our assets. Well, what is Jesus telling us about our life? He's telling us that our life has a lot of assets. There are assets to our life that we don't consider sometimes to be assets. (laughs) You know, we don't consider some things that we possess as being of value. That's where we make our first big mistake, is that everything that we possess, everything that we possess, everybody take a deep breath, you have life, or you couldn't breathe. That's an asset. <laughs> For some, it's not a very good asset, but no. Fantastic. <laughs> but we recognize that you are alive, you are breathing, you are an asset. Hopefully, you have an asset. You have an asset, you have the asset of life. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to look at it? How are you going to invest it? I have a nephew that. Um, he, he graduated from IUP uh, in banking and business. Um, he worked for one of the local banks. He then went to Carnegie Mellon, got his master's degree in banking, investment, whatever. I'm not, not quite sure. But he now, he worked for an, a firm in Pittsburgh, and he now owns most of that firm. And uh, he travels all over the country, um, and his, his firm... Collects monies from states, <laughs> um, you know, large institutions. I said, "Will you take my money and put it in for you to make money on?" He says, "Sorry, can't. We need at least ten million to begin." <laughs> it's like what? You know, I thought maybe you know, I got a hundred bucks. I'll put in your stuff, you know. And he says, "No, I need about you know. They take millions and millions of dollars." And place and investments, and he has done extremely well he's done extremely well to the point that he has you know owns most of the company he started with nothing. you know uh, he started with going to school and his own school loans. you know he, he had to borrow everything to go to school. he had to borrow money to go to uh, Carnegie Mellon. he had to borrow all these things and and what he has done is he has taken his knowledge and he has invested it in his abilities. And his abilities then have paid off in financial financial, uh, gain. But we look at our life, and we look at what we are as individuals, and we need to see the abilities that we have and invest who we are in what we have. This is a very biblical principle. God invested in you. He has invested in us. He has invested Himself in us. He died for our sins. He died for the very things that would destroy us. Jesus Christ died for everything that would destroy us so that it could be removed from our life so that we would no longer be entangled with sin. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is a bad investment. It will end up stealing, killing, and destroying. That's the result of sin. And we see people wanting to propagate their sin. And, and, and all the sin, and the Bible says sin is missing the mark, and all the things that miss the mark that, is go, that are going to steal, kill, and destroy who we are as a person and destroy our assets. Let me tell you something. I'll give you a banking, I'll give you a financial uh, a pointer. If someone says to you, I want you to invest everything you have in me and I'm going to take it, I'm going to lose it, and you're going to get no return on it. How many of you are going to invest? (laughs) Yeah, you got nothing. You're not going to invest. If you do, the Bible would say you're a fool. Because you're taking what you've got and you're going to invest it in something that will give you no returns and it's going to take away everything. And that is the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is an investment. God's investment in our life. So, our life and our actions, our life and our actions, whenever we have Christ as our Savior, now have value. So every Christian, how many here are a Christian? You've given your life to Jesus Christ. All right, You have value. You have eternal value. And the aspects of your life are God's investment in you. And God takes His Word and He invests it into our life. And whenever He invests His Word into our life, We are able to grow and to mature. We're able to have wisdom and guidance in our decisions. We're able to have faith in troubled times. We're able to have peace in difficult times. We're able to have hope when things are hopeless. That we have assets that we are able to tangibly get a hold of. We have assets that we're tangibly able to see. Every one of you have these assets. But sometimes we look at them and say, well, you look in the mirror and you say, well, it's just me. <laughs> that's not much of an asset, <laughs> you know. But that's not true. How does God see us? See, so you see, we make deposits into the lives of others. So let's do a, a physical presence deposit, okay? Physical presence deposit. You ready for a physical presence deposit? Uh, I say, what's a physical presence deposit? Well, everybody get a big grin on your face and look at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's not much of a deposit. How many of you gave a frown? You just made a withdrawal. <laughs> but you see, you have the ability to impact somebody around you. Why? Well, well, it was a simple, it was a very simple process. That when people, how do you know someone doesn't need your smile? Who, how do you know someone doesn't need your friendship? You see, some people's friendship there are some friends we should not call friends. They are grouches. <laughs> and their name isn't Oscar either, <laughs> for those of you who have little kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, people who are constantly withdrawing from you. You know, people, there are people who want to deposit anger, bitterness, uh, resentment, hatred. You look at your friends. What are they depositing in your life? If they are grouches, if they are angry... If they are bitter, if, they, if they're constantly pushing people down and, and tearing people apart, want you to do things that are against what you know the Spirit of God wants you to do, those individuals are not making deposits in your life. They are making withdrawals from the gift from the giver of life, and the end of those things is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They will destroy you. End of story. <laughs> If you want, you talk to me. I'll point out individuals that have made those, those decisions in their life and some individuals I know have even sat here in our church, and this is I'm going back about 25 years ago, individuals who sat here in this church and they made a conscious decision that said, you know what, I, I've tried this religion thing and it doesn't work and their life is a sham. Why? Because they chose death instead of life. We all know people have chosen death. Steal, kill, and destroy. Anger, bitterness, hatred, envies, strife, those things destroy us. They're not deposits. They're withdrawals, withdrawals of life from you. And if you don't have the ability to choose what is right for you, you are going to choose wrongly. And we cannot, you cannot. You are here because of the choices you've made. You will be where you're going to be tomorrow because of the choices you make today. And if you don't choose wisely, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die spiritually. You're going to die emotionally. And eventually, when life is over, you're going to have nothing left. This is where I was going with this sermon. (laughs) That's kind of heavy, isn't it? But it's the truth. You're going to die. And I don't want that. Don't want that for your life. God doesn't want it for your life. God does not want you to die spiritually. He wants you to live until you live again. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have, and these are the things that God deposits in our life through His Word. He deposits the goodness of God. He deposits the love of God. He deposits the peace of God. He deposits the great things of God He deposits in our life. And I, I think of, I think of um, you know, Rachel, my daughter. Um, she doesn't know I'm thinking I'm going to use this, but uh, sorry, dear, you got, you got something coming. But... When she, she, she got married, and uh, she went to Oklahoma. And she got in a bad relationship. How she did it, I don't know. She got in a bad relationship. And it was so bad that there were threats upon her life. I mean, this is, little, this is my little girl. There were threats upon her life. She grew up here. And the individual that she was married to threatened to kill her, threatened to put her in a lake out there and no one would ever find her. And how on earth she got into that place was by the choices she made. When she separated from this individual, she went to a you know, counselor to help her deal with these issues. And the counselor said this to her. He said, Rachel, Rachel, You don't know, but you grew up in a very, very safe environment. And whenever you married, you married out of that environment. And you found a place that many people live in. It's a place of fear. It's a place of destruction. And if you don't change, it'll destroy you. And he told her, you grew up in a very safe environment. You grew up in a family that loved you. And, you know, sometimes we take for granted the people who love us the most and the very safety that we have around us. And we have choices to make. And the choices we make are choices of life and they are choices of death. We don't see them as that. We just see them as everyday life. But whenever we start making choices that end up stealing, killing, destroying, taking away, for, taking away our joy, taking away our security that we have in Christ, the security that we have in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and the security we have in one another and in our fellowship, when we make those choices, we are destroying ourselves and we're taking the seed that God has given to us and we're eating it. Do you know what happens whenever people eat the seed? What happens when you eat the seed that you should be planting? You starve later. You die. You know, in some of the in in some of the uh, countries that were that people were sending them aid and trying to get them to plant crops so that they can take care of themselves, they are in such dire need they eat the seed. Because we can't wait until harvest, we will die. And so what they're trying to do is to get them to understand this is the seed for you eating, this is the this is what we provided for you to eat, this is what we provided for you to plant. If you plant your gardens, you plant your crops, you will be able to live. You know in El Salvador where you know one of the one of the projects that David and I are doing in El Salvador is gardening. Here you are in a tropical place and they don't have gardens. I was totally surpri- surprised when I went there and I I looked around and I said David there's no gardens. And they don't have gardens because no one ever taught them how to grow a garden. And if you don't grow it you don't eat in that part of the country. There are no stores There's no neighborhood stores to go buy milk and cheese and butter and all that other stuff. If you don't grow it, you don't eat. Believe me, some of these people, you look at them, you can tell they haven't eaten. (laughs) And so the idea is to teach people how, in, in the group that David has, they send out someone every week. For six months, they send an agronomist out to help them understand what gardening is, what they need to plant, how they need to take care of the plants, what they should be looking for, how to keep the wrong bugs off of it, and how to keep it growing without killing themselves. All right, so, so the fo- that's the deposits the then. When we give a smile to someone, you give a handshake to someone, what are we doing? We are, we are putting, We are making a deposit. How much did it cost you? Cost you a smile instead of a frown. It <laughs> cost you a smile instead of a frown. A word of encouragement versus, boy, you know, you look pretty ugly today. <laughs> what are you looking at? Well, what are you looking at determines how you see things and what you say. So, a handshake. One, you know, I I don't know how many people I've spoken to that say when they've gone to different churches and they've gone different places and you get in there and it's the coldest place they've ever been. If somebody's cold here, it's because they keep a jacket on and they put their hands in their pocket. (laughs) Because we want them to be warm. We want them to feel warmth and and acceptance and feel that God is a part of their life because God is a part of ours. We want to share that. So, the following—that's what's going to come next. The following, okay, comes from a book uh, by Diane Boer, and it's called "Creating Personal Presence." And uh, I just—I just have the excerpts from it, so I don't have the book. So it's—but creating personal presence, and uh, it's about looking, talking, thinking, and act, acting like a leader. And and you may think, well, what does that have to do with? church. Well, I'll get there in just a minute, but okay. So you deposit what you value. You will deposit what you value. Okay. You will deposit what you value. If you value love, you will give love. If you value friendship, you will give friendship. You see, some people don't know how to love. They value hatred. They value bitterness. They value tearing people apart. They value tearing people down. And what do they do? They try to deposit that in your life. And you have a choice. See, if the garbage truck that's coming around, was it come to your house every week? It's a garbage truck. I mean, have a garbage truck that comes by your house? All right? Now... When a garbage truck comes by your house, if they back into your your lawn and lift the back of the truck and they start dumping all that garbage in your yard, are you going to say, thanks? (laughs) You know? It's nice of you to think of me. Keep on dumping. (laughs) When you come back next week, dump it here too. It's no problem. How many are going to do that? You're not too bright if you do. You're not going to do that. Why? Because you don't want their garbage. You don't want other people's garbage dumped in your yard. Well, how many people open your mind to the garbage that other people are dumping? And your life is full of the garbage of your of people that consider you a dumping ground. Don't go there. It's your life. Put up the sign: No dumping. Keep your garbage. Because if they don't, if you don't put up a sign to keep their garbage, they're going to dump on you. And what happens after a while? What happens after a few weeks of dumping garbage in your yard? It starts to stink. (laughs) And you know what? Your attitude and our attitude and my attitude will stink whenever I allow people to dump their garbage in my life. You know, as a counselor, I heard lots of garbage. <laughs> you know? I heard lots of garbage. I heard things that I never wanted to hear. <laughs> but you know what? I had to let it go. I had to make sure that I didn't keep it. Because it's not my life. It's not my garbage. People needed to get rid of their garbage but I needed to send them, take them to Jesus. For Jesus is the one who forgives our sins and gets the garbage out of our life. But your presence, you deposit what you value, creating personal presence. Your presence is not fake, and your presence is not false. See, this is the idea that we live with. We don't live with cheating and deception. We live with truth. And it's hard for us to realize whenever we've lived, in a li- lived a life of truth and we live in a presence of family that are truthful and we live in a presence where there's love and there's forgiveness and all these things are present. This is what we're growing towards in our life. And so sometimes we, don't, we have a hard time picking up on the fake and the false. Everything that shines is not gold. <laughs> You know? Everything isn't silver that people says it is. We have to examine the truth. Examine what people say. Your presence is not an all or nothing commodity. This is very important. Your presence is not an all or nothing. Everyone has down times. Okay? How many have had down times in your life? How many of you lie? Those of you who didn't lower your hand, I was giving you an opportunity. Everybody's had down times. You know, I've been down that road. <laughs> Sometimes I go down more often than I want. But I've had down times. But guess what? Everyone is at up times. How many have had up times? Okay, how many have had down times? See, keep your hand up because we've all had ups and downs. All right, that's, that's the point. Okay, so, so if we consider our life aligned... And on this line of life, we've had our downs and we've had our ups. Ups and downs, okay. Consider that line your daily life. How, how many times we have our daily life, our daily life has ups and down times? Sometimes ours have ups and down times. And for kids, it's probably what class you're going to, it's up or down, right? So we consider our so our daily life, we have low presence and low impact. We have high presence and high impact. There are sometimes when I walk into people's lives and into their homes, I have a you again. (laughs) Low impact. Low you know, what are you doing here? I ain't dying. Somebody sinned for you. Am I dying? No, I'm just coming to visit, you know. And then other times it's high impact and high, high, whoa, I'm so glad you came. We've been praying or we needed this and we needed that and I'm so glad you're here. We can, you can help. So we have low presence, low impact, high presence. That happens in our life. It's there. Everyone, every one of us can inch closer to that high impact, high presence. How do you develop that personal presence? You. Everybody say me. Everybody say me again. Me again, thank you. That's always fun. Everybody say me. Me. All right. How are me, how are you and I, going to develop high impact? High awareness. How are we going to develop personal presence? Hmm. We develop personal presence by what we deposit in people's lives. Do you enjoy being with people? Because you see, this is where we have a problem. Sometimes we allow negative people into our life because we just need a friend. And we take all their garbage because we like to have a friend. Believe me, it's better to not have a friend than to have a garbage collector dumping their garbage in your life. <laughs> I didn't think I was that funny. <laughs> You're just way over-relating. Okay, all right. So. Alright. It's always good to have somebody enjoy the sermon, you know. Some of the others is like reading a book. Ah, oh, is, he, is he done yet? No. But the idea is that we have, we have, you have, you do not need garbage people dumping garbage in your life. Get rid of those individuals. Get rid of grouchy people. Get rid of people who are always taking from you and never giving back. They always want something from you, but and what do you get in return? You get their garbage. Get rid of them. They are not depositing things in your life. You don't want to be around them. So we look at ways. So if you want to develop a personal presence, personal presence, personal presence is that when somebody sees you come in, they bring you bring a smile to their face. Personal presence. What happens? you have made a deposit in their life. They like you to come because you give them something good. They give you something good. You know, I, I, want, I, will, I, I want people to come to church. <laughs> Why? Because I want to deposit good things into their life. I want, to, I want people to leave here with, with, with a high deposit. In their life, something life changing, something something tangible that you can go home with and believe that you know what this. My life is going to be better because I was in church today. My life is going to be better because I I was closer to God today. We 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 came to church and Brad led the songs and you know Doe and Rhonda and they sang and and you know Tabby and Terry and Glenda <laughs> and they were all part of my life. They were all part of my life. Why? Because. We were singing, and, and I felt uplifted. What was, that was a deposit. Making a deposit. Personal presence is the, the, the way that you affect others. And we can increase. We can increase our ability to connect with others and communicate with credibility. What we say has something credible to it has hope. It has friendship attached. You see, if your friendship, attachment to someone else, is you are giving and they are dumping, that's not a friendship. Our presence involves mental, physical, and emotional aspects of who we are and how you are. Okay. Our presence involves the mental, physical, and emotional aspects of who we are and how we are. Your personal presence involves how you look. <laughs> you can't be always dressing your kid. <laughs> Rhonda does that too. I'm just kidding, twicking on you. But the idea is, look at me. This is, this is Rhonda dressing me. Okay? You know? If you don't like how it looks, talk to my wife. All right? She picked it all out. Even the coat matches the gray with the red and we got the black in there. And the black shoes, you know, she laid it all out. If I come with me dressed my way, plaid and plaid. All right. <laughs> geek and geek. But the idea is that we are who we look. Look is part of your personal presence, your body language, your appearance, your movement, your dress, your surroundings. That's all part of who you are. We're making deposits. What's the scripture say? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You are a child of God. You represent God. You represent God in how you look. You represent God in how you talk, the words you choose, the physical qualities of your life, how you use your voice, how you use your emotions. Your personal presence involves how you think, how you communicate your thoughts, how you organize your thoughts, how you organize your ideas and information what you decide to pass on or what you decide not to pass on gossip or encouragement how you frame your issues or are you framing people see all they're just little things but yet they give a whole different twist to your person your personal presence involves how you act your attitude <laughs> Do you you need an attitude adjustment? Do you have values and your your competency? Your through your your, your, and your actions are revealed through how you speak and how you do things. So you see, we are very much involved in making deposits into the lives of others, and people are making deposits into you. Here today, we're making involvement. we're, We're making deposits. The spirit of God and the word of God are being deposited in your life being deposited in you as a person. And those deposits are therefore an eternal benefit because when you and I, as we serve God, when we smile, it's not just about getting personal approval, it's about conveying, you know what, God loves you. And I'm here to help in this relationship that we have with God and in our life and we're we're part of this together, part of the family of God. We have, part, uh, we have an eternal benefit plan. <laughs> you know, some, one guy says, well, what do you do for a living? I said, I sell, I sell eternal benefits. <laughs> he goes, what? I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I, I let you know where the eternal benefits come from. I don't sell them. I, give, I let you know about who, who gives them away. So as you increase, your personal presence will strengthen your credibility and expand your influence. This is talking about this is Diane Boer talking about her book What's the name of her book? I told you a minute ago. Yeah, it's about these are, these are things taken from her excerpt from her book. I got it in an email this week and it's creating personal presence, look, talk, think and act like a leader. Look talk look, talk, think and act like a Christian. What will happen? you will increase your personal awareness you will strengthen your own credibility you will expand your influence you will have a stronger impact you will increase your chances of achieving personal goals we will we will make a difference in our life for eternity we will make a difference in our life and in the lives around us for an eternity. We are not here just for today. We are here for the long haul. We are here for an eternity. And we want to make a difference today. And we want to make a difference tomorrow. And we want to make a difference in people's lives for an eternity. Making a deposit in people's lives that they know that there is someone somewhere who will pray for them. So, how much of the treasures that you possess? Okay, everybody, say me. How much of me is a treasure? How much of you is a treasure? The idea is all. All of me is a treasure. Why? Because Jesus died for all of you. Not just part of you, not just your spirit, not just your mind or what you will do. He died for all of you. All of you is a treasure. Now, if all of you is a treasure, how much of you do you handle as a treasure? How much do you think of yourself as a treasure? Part of me? Well, maybe my spirit, maybe, maybe this, maybe that. No, all of you is a treasure. See, most of the time you and I, I'm a big one for this, all right? I know I'm preaching to myself. That you we don't think of ourselves as a complete treasure. (laughs) You know, I think of, well, sometimes when I'm preaching, and that's my best. This is this is me at my best. You know? Talk to my wife if you want to see me at my worst. I have those periods. Sometimes I have long periods. (laughs) I wrote wrote her a happy birthday thing. And she said this morning, she said, you must have written this while you were in your preaching mode. (laughs) She said that. Because it was really good and very nice. (laughs) Because when I'm in my preaching mode and writing these things, it's like God, I I feel like it's only God that can put this. You see, this is Diane Boer's material. Some of it is hers. But it's her material that, that I feel God has inspired to turn it around and look at it a different way and that we can see that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? You are a treasure. Don't we sing about that, Brad? Don't you sing about that? You are a treasure. It's in the song that we sing. You are a treasure. Say, I am a treasure. I am a treasure. Say it again. I am a treasure. All of me. I am a treasure. All of me. Do you know the Hope Diamond? What is the Hope Diamond? Anybody know? It's in the museum in Washington, D.C. It's the largest diamond in the world. Do you know where it was found? It was found on an individual's mantle. A geologist was going, looking, and I believe this is the story that goes with it. If I'm wrong, it's, 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 it's close. But anyhow... <laughs> Keep stepping on a string. It's pulling my cuffs out. But anyhow, that was a distraction. All right. Hope Diamond. Where is the Hope Diamond? Geologists went to this this guy, this landowner, and and and, and asked him for permission to look for diamonds because, according to his geological findings, he felt like this was an area where diamonds would be. And as this geologist is talking with this farmer, this landowner, about looking for diamonds on his property, he notices this rock on his, on his mantle. Okay, The rock on the mantle the farmer found laying in his field. And a number of people asked him if they could have it, but he wouldn't give it away because he felt there was just something unique about it. Now, it wasn't its polished self. It was a rock. But to the trained eye, it was a diamond. The largest diamond in the world was in that rock. Farmer didn't know it. He just thought it was a rock that was pretty unique that he found in his field. He had it on his mantle. You see, to you and I, a lot of times we're that rock on a mantle. You and I are that rock on a mantle. And we look at that rock and we say, eh, you know, it's pretty nice, but it's just a rock I found in a field. It's just me. But that's not all there is. Inside that rock in the hands of the right person it is the most valuable diamond in the world. You and I are that rock on the mantle and as we place our hands, our life in God's hands He has a way of shaping us helping us, molding us bringing out the diamond in our life. But you see, you've got to believe. Because just think, if that farmer had taken that rock, thrown it out, back out in the field. What if that farmer had given it away? Do you think the person he gave it away to would have ever discovered it as the Hope Diamond? Probably not. Why? Because the farmer would have given it away for a few bucks. They even have TV shows. People going to people's houses, looking for treasures that people have in their attics. You are a diamond. I am a diamond. In the hands of God, we will become the treasure. You are the treasure. Song sings If I could get closer to God, I would swim the ocean's floor. I would, you know, walk thousands of miles. Christ is the treasure. But as we give ourselves to Christ, He develops that treasure in us. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you don't see the value in you as a person, you will throw it away. You will allow the garbage... People of life to dump their garbage in your life, and you will think this is where this is where I belong. It's not true. You have a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus died for you and I, and the treasure of life He has put inside of you. And we are constantly, constantly, constantly say it constantly. Being shined up and polished up and cut and, and, and what we look at and we say, what's going on here? God is bringing out the most beautiful of his creation in you. You are a treasure that Jesus was willing to die for because he saw the potential in who you are. Do not allow the garbage of life and the garbage collectors of life to dump in your life. Give them the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And if they don't want it, you keep going on because do not allow the treasure of who you are as a person to be destroyed and dismantled by people who don't know what they're doing. Jesus is our greatest treasure. Shall we stand? <laughs> Everybody say, it's finished. finished. Amen. (laughs) Preacher's done. (laughs) But it is finished. What does it mean? Jesus Christ has finished the work on the cross and His work upon the cross has a lasting effect upon our hearts and lives. You are the treasure. And if people try to rob that treasure from you by their grouchiness and their destructive tendencies, by their stealing and killing, destroying, don't let it happen. Amen? Do not let people destroy you. You are beautiful. You are that diamond in the rough. Every one of us. God created us for a purpose. God created me for a purpose. Say it. God created me for a purpose. A divine purpose. Do not allow anyone or anything to steal it, kill it, or destroy it. That's your choice. Choose life. Choose it wisely. Choose Christ. How you think, how you walk, how you talk, how you act, you'll have a great impact on your life and the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand, smile at them, deposit. Put a good deposit in someone's life.